Hello. Hey, Jake. How are you? I'm okay. How are you, Dan? I'm doing well. You not only engineer the show, which I'm very thankful for, making me sound great, but you also mastered the compilation of love. Yes. Which is probably very technical, and I don't know anything about mastering, so I don't even want to ask about that. But we've been best friends since freshman year, and we went to semi-formal together. Not like <laughs> together together. We weren't each other's <laughs> dates, but like we were in the same group. Yeah, yeah. Let me ask you, because I was thinking about this a lot. When you were like a kid, maybe in like middle school, did you think dances would be like so much more like Americana and romantic than they actually ended up being? Not only Americana and romantic, but like intense as well. Like the light show and the DJ, 100% I pictured something different than was going to (laughs) happen. Yeah, it was like like your do or die teenage moment. Completely. And they just sucked. It was not the best. I don't know if it was just the era we grew up in because there's that beautiful song by Big Star, 13, which is still popular today. Yeah. And it's this very like shy back and forth of like asking this girl to a dance. And we just wore bad suits and listened to like Cobra Starship. I wore all black if I recall. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't want to necessarily like ease into attacking you for this but you wore all black with a white tie no no there was no white tie in this one no white tie this is a black tie as well you wore a black tie i wore black tie black shirt black suit what was the thought process i wanted to look sick as fuck (laughs) and and 12 years later do you feel sick as fuck (laughs) you know i've never felt sicker I will say prom, which was a mere nine years ago, yeah. you wore, uh, if I, correct me if I'm wrong, like a very Humphrey Bogart-esque, like white tuxedo top, black pants. That is correct. I didn't get to choose that one, as a matter of fact. Really? I was helping out a local tuxedo rental and like suit store, mm-hmm. and they offered me the chance to rent my tuxedo for free if I uh, wore it to school to advertise for them. How did I miss this day of school? Uh, I wore it to school for at least two days. Two days? In a row, yeah. Why? It was awful and very hot. And uh... <laughs> After the two days, did they dry clean the suit again for prom? Oh, hell no. Oh. <laughs> Should we talk about the time we wore tuxedos together that was not a school dance? Let's. That we were both in the all-male pageant for our high school? Mr. EBHS. Mr. East Brunswick High School, which would you please uh, say who won Mr. East Brunswick High School? (laughs) That is a cruel thing to do. Uh, Dan was Mr. EBHS of 2000 and was it 10 or 11 at that point? 2011. 11. And uh, of all the talented people, you played guitar. You were very good. Another Jake played guitar. Seems like he was copying you. (laughs) We had stand-up comedians. We had a guy do a cupcake eating contest with a teacher. Yeah. What talent did I... I have that won it all. Dan did a spectacular rendition of the Napoleon Dynamite dance, which, if you can't picture it in your head right now, is only a YouTube search away and is a very worthwhile Google. <laughs> and and this was 2011, so Napoleon Dynamite was just as relevant as it is today as it was when I did that dance. The sun had set on Napoleon Dynamite. Why was high school so stupid for us? <laughs> we did a lot of weird things, didn't we? <laughs> I feel like going back to the original question of this conversation, like we wanted like a very like wholesome, like rah, 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 football. That is the high case. school experience or like you have the outcasts. We were just dumb. <laughs> we were not the brightest. <laughs> 
an idiot. Oh, shoot, that's so funny. <laughs> no wonder we were so single in high school. Oh, uh, that's a real thing. So the longer I make this conversation, the more you have to edit for it, correct? Uh, potentially. All right. Well, as much as I enjoy hearing your voice and making you work more, I'm going to start the show now. Sounds good. Talk to you later. try to make sense of love in hopes of better relationships, bettering ourselves, and in my case, becoming a better wedding officiant. My name is Dan Castorella, and I'm just trying to pull the stars down. That was our friend Maxwell Stern with Pull the Stars Down off his newest LP, Impossible Sum, which you can buy now. Max is one of our friends who contributed a song to the Compilation of Love. Today in our series of artist interviews, I'll talk to Max, Jillian Crystal, Lowercase Roses, and No Thank You about their love songs. As a reminder, for the compilation of love, we asked our songwriter friends to write a song responding to the word love. How do you respond to the word love? We put them all together, and we release an album. If you have not picked up the compilation of love, or the stylish and soft out of love shirt, which is perfect for sleep or going out with a mask on, you can do so now, outoflovesshow.com slash store. We only have a few shirts left, so if you wanted to get a shirt and you're a dilly-dally person, I would stop dilly-dallying, stop this show, buy a shirt, listen to the rest of the show, feel great, because you just contribute it to Women Against Abuse. Yes, all proceeds from the shirt and the album go to Women Against Abuse. They are a nonprofit in Philadelphia that focuses on domestic violence awareness and domestic violence aid and education. And all our profits go to fund them. They help fund their emergency safe havens, their legal sources, and Philadelphia's domestic abuse hotline. Once again, you can get the shirt and the album at outoflovesshow.com slash store. Outoflovesshow.com slash store. Do it right now, unless you already did, and then we thank you. Today, we are continuing our series where we talk to the generous and wonderful artists who contributed a love song to the compilation of love. Today, I talked to Jillian Crystal. Lowercase Roses, and returning to the show, Katie from No Thank You. And to start things off, I talked to Maxwell Stern about his song, Rust and Silver, A Prayer for a 2005 Dodge Caravan. Let's take a listen.
Thank you so much for coming on today. What is your song, Rust and Silver, parentheses, a prayer for a 2005 Dodge Caravan about? Now, I have an idea based on the song title. But... <laughs> <laughs> well, let's back up a second here, Dan, my friend. I really had been looking for a home for this song for a little while and had actually initially had the idea when I first moved out to Philadelphia in 2017. And what I did, actually it was the end of 2016. So what I did for that move is I packed pretty much everything I owned into a 2005 silver Dodge Grand Caravan that had about 200,000 miles on it. At the time, I drove it out here to Philadelphia. I think I had about six or $700 to my name. And that van was just like my life. And it had been my life for the preceding five or six years. It had been to California a couple times on tours, down to Florida, all through Canada, across the Midwest, through Texas. I think it had seen nearly every continental U.S. state. Wow. And it it really um, had, I'd been through kind of everything with it. And it was a great vehicle. Uh, and I loved it very much. So when I saw the prompt for the comp i was like you know i've been i've sort of had the song kicking around for a little while like this is the motivation i need to get it done and write the minivan love song so uh i was i was happy that it finally found a home i felt like it's sort of like cosmically aligned in a way where i'd had this thing floating for a while and i didn't have a home for it and then i read the prompt and i was like yes this is what i was supposed to write this song for I love it. I, I hate to ask, what happened to the car? You know, at a point, I, I think it had like 220 or 230,000 miles on it. And like, you know, as great as those vehicles are, they're not really designed to tour as hard as I was, as I pushed it. And it had been through a lot. Like some of the doors weren't locking or unlocking and like all of the little bells and whistles in the van were sort of starting to fade and the struts had been replaced a few times. There were beginning to be some like more serious brake issues and it had been through a lot of winters in my hometown of Cleveland, Ohio. The salt on the roads tends to just kind of like rust the hell out of the bottom of any vehicle. So it got to a point where it needed so much work that I couldn't reasonably justify putting the money into it. It was one of those things where to fix it would have cost more than the than the car was worth itself. So I had to make a hard call at some point. It was emotional. <laughs> well, we were talking offline on email about how this song reminds me of Piebald's King of the Road. And you do a really great job of humanizing a motor vehicle. And I genuinely felt for it and, and could tell this was a really big part of your life. Yeah. It, believe it or not, it's the second song that I've written about the minivan. There was a an instance, I think earlier in 2016, where I was in Chicago and I left it parked outside a practice space overnight and someone tried to steal it and they like ripped out the steering column, but they couldn't get it. Like, so I just, I came back the next morning and it was like three feet from the curb and like it had clearly been through a bunch of shit. And then what happened when that all went down is that I got stuck at my friend's place in Chicago for about a week and a half. And I wrote a song about it <laughs> called Grand that's on on my band camp. And I sort of wrote the first verse from my perspective. And then my friend Matt, who has this great gravelly voice, uh, like Tom Waits, voiced the car in the second verse. <laughs> 
And then that whole incident was actually referenced in this song, which was Pray for the Nine Full Days that we lost to Toe Lots in Chicago. So there's a little bit of like my own personal mythology in there that no one would ever know, but I know because I'm very self-involved. <laughs> Makes for a good song, though. <laughs> I hope so, man. What album or mix CD was played the most in that car? Oh, that is a great question. So I actually think that the mix CD that was played the most in the car is not a music CD. Um, oh, interesting. It is a, is a compilation of prank phone calls by the prank phone caller Longmont Potion Castle. Wow. And that got the most mileage? Because I think sometimes when you're in a band and like you are surrounded by music all the time, when you're when you're driving from place to place, sometimes you don't want to listen to music all day. You want to listen to some other stuff. And mm -hmm. breaking up the monotony of like an eight hour drive through Texas is really hard sometimes. And yeah, we got this compilation CD, like a burnt CD from my friend, Tim, who ran a, a venue outside of LA called VLHS, Vince Lombardi high school. And Vince Lombardi is a high school named after him. <laughs> he does. He does. And I actually, it's, it's from a movie. I think it, is it from rock and roll high school? Like the movie with the Ramones? I think that's it. Huh? He gave me a CD and it was just a lot of like really great prank phone calls about this dude just like calling motels and like butcher shops and asking for ridiculous things. And it like really broke up a lot of the monotony and brought like a lot of humor and lightness into an otherwise kind of gnarly and boring time just being stuck in the van. So I, I think it was probably that one. And I played that CD until it did not function anymore oh when it gets like all cracked at the bottom you're like wow this has been been through some stuff what do you think is the best driving album or band to listen to while driving Ooh, that's a great question right now just because i've been totally obsessed with him for the last like year or two it's probably tom petty nice i feel like you listen to running down a dream or something and you're just you just automatically feel like I, you know, I could have been in my minivan listening to that song hungover and not having changed my t-shirt in four days. But like, if that song came on, I would immediately feel like I was wearing a leather jacket and sunglasses and I was like in a convertible. <laughs> like, yeah, it just it just snaps you into that live Neil Young bootlegs where they just go on like guitar space odysseys for a long time are also really, really good. And then I remember one time when we were driving through like Montana and there was like a lightning storm and we were listening to like explosions in the sky or something like that. And it was just like a very, very, very epic drive. I had a uh, hop along second album was like one of the only CDs in my car is a like, uh, years painted shut. Right. I think. Yeah. 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 I was, I was, wasn't sure if referring to which record you were referring to. Oh, right. Right. There is yeah. the, the hop along Queen Anne's Lace record. Cause I'm a nerd. Um, <laughs> but i love that record i think it's, it's so it's, good but I, to be honest i can't tell you the name of like half those songs because i only listen to it while driving yeah i think that's cool though i actually have a similar problem like one of my favorite favorite bands ever is the weaker thans and i'm yeah. awful at weaker than song titles because they're very verbose or like they have literary references or something like that and I'm always just like, oh, no, it's it's the one where it's like, 
Oh, all the words I should not. Know. But I don't actually know the the title of the song. It's like the second or third track on a reunion tour, but I don't know the name of that either. Yeah, and then I Google it, and I'm just like, hmm, what what is this? Oh, it's Hymn of the Medical Oddity or something like that. Yeah. Right, right. I'm a bit afraid to go down this wormhole with you. Let's do it. Our dear friend Ian, I was on the phone with him yesterday, and I said, oh, I'm interviewing Max Stern. Should I bring anything up? He said, you both love Homestar Runner. <laughs> yes. So, so to conclude... I would love to ask you a strong, bad email question, a classic strong, bad email question. Oh, I'm on the spot. Hit me. If you had both your hands removed at the wrist and could not have them replaced with prosthetic hands, what two things would you have them replaced with? Oh, this is such a good one. And I don't remember. I feel like... Strong, bad had a bucket and a megaphone. It was a bucket and a megaphone. I, I, I For some reason, I thought it was like a sandwich and a samurai sword. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go with that. A sandwich and a samurai sword. I kind of think a bucket is useful. If that's I think a bucket is, is definitely useful. This goes along with a question that I used to jokingly ask people sometimes, which is, if you could secrete two liquids from your body, what would they be? Oh, wow. What, what was your go-to answer? Well, I think like an obvious one is, is water. So I would sometimes caveat the question with, you can't say water. Yeah, water doesn't seem fun. One was gasoline, because I think that could also be an income source. Yeah. Like, you could be the gasoline guy, and, like, you wouldn't have to work anymore. You could just, like, secrete the gasoline. Yeah. And the other one... Some alcohol. Yeah, yeah. Some alcohols would be good. I think, also, I'm really obsessed with this aardvark hot sauce right now, so let's just say that. (laughs) <laughs> but you know strongly recommend to any listeners uh if you are ever at a party when parties are allowed again or if you're like on a zoom call with some friends if you ask your your friends what liquids they would like to secrete from their body and the sub question could be where they would secrete the mm. liquids from but uh how how frequent is it is that a caveat can you do it on command or these like peeing i think that it's that can be up to the asker i like to imagine it as an infinite supply in a utopian world you know i i suppose it can be whatever you want it to be i feel like soda water that's a good one yeah a little carbonation because water you could kind of get anywhere and soda water sometimes like oh i got a vodka and there's nothing in the fridge i guess i have to use milk and soda water makes me want to drink water (laughs) Yes. <laughs> which I usually don't. I mean, I, I keep a thermos by me all day and I have to keep reminding myself to drink water, even though it's not particularly fun. I know this is a very bizarre answer that might not qualify as a liquid, but for some reason, the thing that came to my head first was cement. <laughs> you could just be like a utilitarian person. You could do gasoline, you could do cement, and you could just, you know, work for any transit company. And uh, yeah. you'd be very useful. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I thought too. <laughs> I, I love how this conversation derailed. It really, really did. <laughs> or, or I would say improved. I think it, imp- I think it did both. <laughs> well, thank you for, for coming on. Do you have anything you would like to plug? Yes. Um, we're talking uh, – I'm not sure when this is going to air, but at least we, we're talking on uh, Thursday the 24th. So I have a record called Impossible Sum that comes out tomorrow, September 25th, and I'm very proud of it. And there are – 
songs indirectly about cars, although not not directly, but uh, it is coming into the world. I love that. I super have been digging um, Pull the Stars Down. I think you released that, well, in September because it's later on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a couple weeks ago. You released Thank that you. a couple weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, thank you so much. I, I really like that one. I'm, I'm just glad it's all out in the world and now we can move on to the next thing. <laughs> yeah. More songs about boats? Uh, you know, I think my lifestyle would have to change a little bit. I really, I took some good like kayak rides this year when I when I went home. Um, so that was cool. But I don't know if a song about a kayak is particularly compelling. Hey, if anybody can do it, <laughs> you're the man. Thank you, Maxwell. Pick up his new LP, Impossible Sum, wherever you buy music digitally. Next, I spoke with Nashville artist Jillian Crystal about her song, Clouds. Here's a portion of that song. Jillian, thank you so much for coming on the show with us today. Of course. Thanks for having me. Of course. What is your love song, Clouds, about? So Clouds is interesting. I wrote it just on a day where I kind of needed a little bit of extra inspiration. I actually went to this really nice farm around here, and it was really nice out, but then it was about to storm. So then I really didn't want it to because I was so zenned out and just in a <laughs> good mode for writing. So then I started with the first lyric of can the storm wait just a little longer tonight? And then it just kind of flowed from there. And it was kind of just the atmosphere I was in. I was going through something where I was kind of really into this person and then things were really high up and feeling really great. And I feel like that's something that a lot of us can relate to. You're a little bit up in the clouds, you know, and you're just kind of getting lost in things. And then something just takes you out of it. And sometimes it can be that person or just outer circumstances that you can't control. And I just was kind of thinking of everything in that moment of just like, you know, I was up in the clouds. I liked it there. And then why did you have to do something that kind of took me down and grounded me from that moment? Yeah, it's a very ethereal feeling. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And it kind of sucks. <laughs> it, well, it does. That feeling, that really powerful, good feeling, that like scares the shit out of me, right? Oh because my gosh, yeah. <laughs> you can't live in that and you, you know it's going to end. And so like right. you were saying, something either external or something about this person that you have yet to know mm -hmm. will completely take you down from cloud nine. Oh, totally. Yeah. And it's just, it's, you don't know if it's going to happen. You don't know when it's going to happen. You don't want to hold yourself back from it. So I think that's an important part of it too. And then I kind of end the song, don't know why I came down, just because when you're up there, you just want to stay there forever. And then you're like, why did I do that? Why did I come down for this person? I was feeling so good. But sometimes it just happens and you just got to go through the ups and downs of it. <laughs> 
For sure. Birds don't fly forever. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I, I think, though, as I get older, as I approach my late 60s, I do think you need to embrace that feeling and oh, not totally. fear the end. Because you you know it's it's going to dissipate at some yep. point. You know it can't live forever. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so why not just enjoy it, maybe get carried away right. with the realization that you know it will eventually either disappear. Oh, absolutely. And that's, it's funny because I always tell my friends that if they're, if they met someone new and they're a little bit hesitant about it, just because they're scared of what might come from it. I'm always the type to be like, you know, just dive in. It's worth the experience. It's fun. And then now I have friends giving the same advice back to me. (laughs) You never give yourself your own advice. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Did it end up raining that day? Did you get rained on? No, it actually didn't. It held out for me. So I was oh, able nice. to finish the song that day. And then I just had a peaceful drive home listening to 60s music. It was a really nice night. <laughs> there you go. It's a little metaphor to just keep holding out for a little exactly. bit longer. Exactly. Yeah. So it ended up on a good note, literally. <laughs> yeah. I saw on Instagram over the summer, you played in the back of a pickup truck. What's that all about? Oh, my gosh. So much fun. So obviously, <laughs> with COVID... It's been hard since I moved to Nashville to find the gigs that I imagined I would find. But this one was a really cool, unexpected one. And it ended up being my first Nashville gig. And I was actually dog sitting that weekend, which is so funny. It's just weird how you meet people and things happen. But um, I was dog sitting. And the woman who is a dog owner, she was talking to me about this place near their apartment complex that has a pickup truck come to the complex and play for the people who live in the residence. So people can come down on the grass or they can stay on their balconies. And then it went from one one apartment to another apartment in my area of Nashville. So it kind of drove me to one place and then I played for that residence. And then right across the street, they brought me to this other place and it was so much fun. And then you could Venmo tips. So it was the most unexpected, cool gig. And it was just because I was dog sitting that weekend and the girl was like, hey, they have artists sometimes, you should reach out to them and see, you know, when they're booking somebody new. And I ended up doing it that weekend. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, it was really, it was a great first gig. It was very memorable. And a great way to socially distance, enjoy some music. exactly. Is there a love song that you irrationally hate or dislike? Uh, Oh my gosh, hate? (laughs) That's so hard. I guess I would say... Just because I heard it so many times, not because I have anything against it, Hello is just <laughs> overplayed in my mind all the time because of how much it was played when it came out. The, the, the Adele, Adele one? Or the, um... Yeah. Okay. I, li- I liked it at first, but then I think I heard it so many times that I was like, oh my gosh, I can't listen to this anymore. It lost its feeling for me. <laughs> yeah, it, it, that was overplayed for yeah. such a slow, somber song, too. It was, yeah. I'm not crazy when people overuse, like, Disney songs. Oh, my gosh, I know. It's, like, so hard to do, but... <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I don't know. Can't You can do a little better than Can You Feel the Love Tonight. Oh, man, that's a good point. I don't know. They're just two lions singing to each other. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Well, well, thank you again for submitting a song and taking your time to talk to us. Do you have music you would like to plug on the show? So I released my EP, my first EP in July. So if anybody wants to check that out, it's called Torn. And my name's Jillian Crystal. So you'll be able to find that on anything. Thank you, Jillian. Be sure to listen to her EP, Torn. Up next, Matt from Lowercase Roses talks about his love song, Clear Water. Here it is. (laughs) 
from Lowercase Roses. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. What was the inspiration for your love song, Clear Water? Basically, the theme was love. And I just kind of wanted to address love as not a specific interpersonal relationship kind of love, but like the type of love that makes us human, basically. And like Mm -hmm. just that element of us that provides the ability to care and thinking about that as in in terms of like the history of that and then how that like applies to our current situation and um, our lack of love generally, I would say. For sure. It's a very pure sounding love in the song. Yeah. Thank you. When you wrote in your email that this is a little garage band song, I was like, oh, cool. Is it going to be like a lo-fi acoustic song? And I was blown away by the song and its atmospheric sound. How did you record that organ-like synth that's in the background. That's just the built-in Mellotron effect on GarageBand. And I kind of like tweaked it and messed with the EQs and stuff and kind of simulate like a, an orchestral kind of vibe. I just really like that sound. And I kind of wanted to do my best to not make it sound like it was like a thrown together kind of thing. But I don't have a lot. Of, I don't have like equipment or anything right here. So it sounds very high quality. Well, thank you. When you were writing the song, what came first? Was it the inspiration for that natural, pure love, or was it the sound? And then you kind of listened to the sound, developed the sound, and wrote towards that. Ian contacted me about this, and the theme was interesting to me because, you know, with everything going on, I've been very completely overwhelmed with, you know, anger and sadness and all of these things, Mm -hmm. exhaustion. And then one night I was just kind of like strumming this guitar I have and I was just playing this melody with these couple chords. And then I was like, oh, this, this might be good for this like project thing that I have coming up. Generally speaking, I think it's like, I'm very melody driven. Like I tend to make a melody that I think is fun to sing basically first, Mm -hmm. fun to play and emotes some semblance of something and then i'm like oh i've been thinking about this thing so i I try to like apply that to it if you could have one artist write a love song for you who would it be and why oh (laughs) immediately i thought of aldous harding oh nice i've seen her play several times in the last couple years and i think she's just completely compelling her songwriting like her lyrics and her control over her voice and how strange she is and how strange her uh, voice can be but this incredible pop sensibility this incredible ability for melody and stuff so that would just be (laughs) unbelievable to hear anything like that she would have to say about love I think would be really cool do you as a songwriter want to emulate not necessarily like a sound or lyrics but a feeling that other songwriters give you when you hear their music? Are you saying like, oh man, like this makes me feel like really energized or really good about myself. I want my music to have that reflection in others. Sometimes I think that's true. Yes. For instance, this is kind of funny, but I'm kind of working on this song that's totally 
I wanted to emulate a vibe that I felt while listening to a Smashing Pumpkins song actually called Perfect. I don't know if you remember that song. Mm-hmm, yeah. And that band for me, I mean, I know Billy Corgan is like, you know, supposed to be as this asshole or whatever, and that's very unfortunate, but I've been listening to Melancholy, that whole record, which is like mm-hmm. a couple hours long or something, but it's so emotive and it makes, and like specifically like 1979, like that song, it makes me feel like so nostalgic, obviously with the video and stuff too, but Anyway, th- that song Perfect, which is on a different album, it just like makes me feel dancey, but it's so still very nostalgic and, and like sad, lovey kind of stuff. And I was like, man, I want to I want to like emulate that. So sometimes it is that sometimes it's very specific. Like I want to make a song that makes me feel like I feel when I listen to whatever song. It's funny you bring up 1979 because I feel like that's a song that you can live in. It's very atmospheric, and I feel like I get kind of the same vibe from Clear Water. It does kind of consume you sonically. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. 1979, like, through my life, <laughs> I've just loved it. And as I grow older, I'm like, I listen to it, and I'm like, what is it about this that makes me feel this way? There's all these things, you know, like the transition between, like, electronic drums into, like, regular drums. That part is so fucking good. His vocals, like, one note carrying over several chords like it's a very like uh somewhat sad or somewhat kind of like longing thing i don't know it's so fun to kind of like examine that because you can remember being a kid and feeling that way too you know like i'm a kid of the 90s obviously but like even when i come around by green day has always made me feel like a a certain way and i've loved it since i was a kid Mm -hmm. listening to it as an adult and still loving it and like tapping into like holy crap it still makes me feel so good like it's just so interesting that's wonderful yeah well thank you again for giving us a song and coming on today. Do you have any music or projects you'd like to plug? I released an album this year, a couple months ago, actually. It was, it was during the pandemic. It's called Titanic Planet. It's on the streaming services and stuff, but I am getting it pressed on vinyl as we speak. So that's the, that's the thing that I have going on. Great. Well, we will be on the lookout for that. Matt, thank you so much for coming on with us. Thank you to Matt. You can listen to Titanic Planet on Spotify now. Finally, Katie from No Thank You joins me to talk about her song, Clouds Below Their Peaks, and to talk about her new album, Embroidered Foliage, which comes out this Friday, October 23rd. You have to pick it up. The first three songs they've released off it are really, really good. If Katie's name sounds familiar, she was also on our songwriters episode, and we had a lot of fun shitting on Jason Mraz, much to the disappointment of fellow compilation of love artist, Kat Siciliano. I never said I was going to please everybody. Let's take a listen to a portion of Clouds Below Their Peaks. Thank you so much for coming back on the show. No problem. Thank you for having me. Excited to be back. Of course, we had to have you back. You wrote a song called Clouds Below Their Peaks for the compilation album. And before I ask you what this song is about, correct me if I'm wrong, but you said on our last show together, you don't write happy love songs. To me, this sounds like a very loving, ethereal song. Am I incorrect in (laughs) saying it is a happier type of song? You're correct. (laughs) (laughs) 
I guess I surprise myself sometimes. <laughs> what was the inspiration for this song? Sort of a place and a, a picture I took in the place. Evan and I, our anniversary is in October, and I really like to see the leaves change in New England during the fall. Mm-hmm. And Evan loves to go to Vermont too, so we typically plan a trip to the mountains in October to see the leaves change and to celebrate our relationship and spend time together and get away from the city and people. So a lot of the time we go to this one Airbnb that is like overlooking a lot of mountains. It's sort of in a high point in a valley and you can see like all the leaves from there. And it's just like this really beautiful, cool, weird little modern apartment. And um, there's like a weird window that is like very, very long. There's like a bed right in front of that huge window. It like overlooks this valley and it's just like this really beautiful, peaceful spot. And I wrote the song about being there. Nice. The, the song has a very, a very dreamy quality to it. Like to me, when I first heard the song, it very much sounds like what you want to fall asleep to. Like it's like the last thing you want to hear before you like yeah. gently fall into like this very blissful type of sleep. Was that uh, intentionally on your mind when you were recording it that for the sound of it? Yeah, I think I find like comfort in ethereal sounds and like it brings like a warmth to it that sort of mimics the feeling of the song are you someone who listens to music before you go to sleep no i don't really listen to music most of the time really (laughs) yeah yeah especially not before i go to sleep i'm definitely like a put on the office and fall asleep kind of person that's wild do you are you can you fall asleep very easily because i have a lot of trouble falling asleep um, I fall asleep pretty easily, but I don't stay asleep easily. I definitely like toss and turn throughout the night. You guys at No Thank You, I don't know why I made it sound like a business. No <laughs> Thank You also has a <laughs> No Thank You has a new album coming out on October twenty third, Friday, October twenty third, which you recorded before quarantine. Could you tell us a little bit about this album? And I know there's a bit of a central theme that we talked about last time, but what kind of is this album about? The most concise way to describe the album is an experience of a tumultuous relationship and what you learn about yourself through going through something like that. When you're really looking internally and trying to better yourself and understand yourself and make changes in your life to some extent while you're aging and while you're just like going through the motions of life. Like the first song, for example, is called Saturn Return. And I feel like I wrote a lot of this while I was going through my Saturn return, which is a pretty big moment every like 27 to 29 years where you like come into yourself and keep friends, keep jobs, change those things, move like big changes Mm -hmm. usually happen or just big decisions where you are going on to like the next portion of your life you know, like a chapter ends and something begins. And I think I just like went through a relationship during that moment. And I had a lot of tendencies towards, you know, introspection and self growth that I like wrote about in these songs, I guess. I I didn't know this. Saturn return is sometime between your 27th, 30th birthday when Saturn completed orbit around the sun to the exact point it was when you were born. Correct. Wow, that's deep. <laughs> it's just astrology. But now I, I feel like I need to be on guard for that because I'm 27 uh-huh. and I may, may have heard 
maybe I've had my Saturn return. I didn't realize it. Yeah. So it sort of adds, it adds into your life at 27. I feel like I had no significant growth this year. <laughs> anyway, um, you were talking about how this album is about a specific person, a specific relationship. Mm -hmm. Does this person know this album exists? I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure they know it exists, but I don't know. I don't want to say too much because I don't have any actual concept of what they know or pay attention to. So I really, sure. have, I have no idea. I'd love to say yes, but I have no idea. Because you said last time you either want them to hear it and get be sad or I have no idea this exists. Is that still yes. your mentality? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. You had mentioned there's one track on this album that you had trouble finishing about loving yourself. Which track is that? It's the last track on the album. It's called Leo Moon. More astrology. <laughs> yeah. How have you found self-love and how have you taken care of yourself during this like really painful, difficult period of quarantine? Because the last couple of months have really fucking sucked for everybody. And so we've all had to do different things to adjust and self-reflect and make sure above everything else, we're prioritizing our own mental health. How have you done that over the last couple of months? I think a couple ways. I mean, I'm not going to lie. There's definitely been a lot of self-medication to some extent, but okay. I think getting into a more comfortable headspace has helped me to do other things that are creative. Like I've been writing a lot of songs, which has been, it makes me feel good to churn out something in this time. There are other just like odds and ends in my life that I never really thought I would get around to finishing or I've been putting off. Mm -hmm. And I think completing some of those things to have little glimmers of accomplishments has been something that's been really helpful to me. For example, cooking, like I know a lot of people have been cooking. I think that that can be a really nice mental break from the world and a uh, way to feel good about yourself and proud of yourself. For sure. So just little, you know, little things like that, completing tasks. It's important to pat yourself on the back when you accomplish something, even if it seems trivial. Absolutely. And it's not arrogant. It's not cocky to do so. Like you should be proud of the things that you do. You don't need to be, you know, bombastic about it and you don't need to be in other people's faces, but you should feel a sense of pride when you accomplish something. Right. Exactly. I found that for as hard as, as this period has been, and I've gone through a lot of personal turmoil, I've lost loved ones during this. The one thing quarantine has done is it shattered a lot of my own personal expectations for myself, which only I had for myself. Mm -hmm. I used to be that person who I wasn't going to date until I was in like the right place with the right job setting making enough money. I, I wouldn't waste my money on on nice clothes if I didn't have a, a thing to wear them to. I, I had all these expectations for myself that were almost like a prison of self-expectation that I couldn't get out of. Mm -hmm. And what this quarantine has done for me is, okay, like, let me talk to someone who I might be interested in and explore that. And it might go somewhere, it might not go somewhere, but you know, it makes me feel good. It makes me feel self-exploratory. Let me try something. And if I fail at it, well, at least I tried it. Absolutely. If I attempt to cook something and I burn it, okay, well, I know like I need to do something different then. But there was a, a sense of myself that I wouldn't try if 
I knew I could fail or I knew I couldn't do it right. And that has completely been shattered. Yeah, that's amazing. That's an, an accomplishment in itself. Like all of the things you're doing are amazing, but also the fact that you are like able to recognize that just doing them is a complete change or shift is really important. That's awesome. Is there anything else <laughs> you, you want to promote with the album? It's something I'm really excited to release and be sort of out of my system to a certain extent. I'm excited for it to be out into the world. There's nothing nothing to plug at the moment other than the record's coming out and it'll, you know, I hope everyone loves it or listens to it and tries it. <laughs> um, I love it. Embroidered Foliage, October 23rd, this Friday, October 23rd. Pick it up then. Pre-order it now. Thank you to Katie for coming back to the show. Pick up Embroidered Foliage this Friday. Thank you again to all the artists for coming on the show today. If you liked what you heard musically, please go out and buy the compilation of love. If you like wearing a shirt, please go out and buy the Out of Love shirt. Or if you just like to support women against abuse, you can do that as well. You can find the shirt and the album at outofloveshow.com slash store, outofloveshow.com slash store. Next Tuesday, be the last in our series of songwriter interviews, and I'll talk to Anika Pyle and Roger Harvey together. I'll talk to my dad's steady hands, Liz Parsons, and Jimmy Doyle. We talk about dogs, tiki bars, the New York Islanders, and of course, love. Tuesday on Out of Love. If you have a story you'd like to share, please email us at outofloveshow at gmail.com. Please subscribe to and review our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. Out of Love is a production of We Will Media and is recorded at Green Street Studios. It is hosted and produced by me, Dan Casarella. The show is mixed by Jay Katz, our engineer. Aaron Bradley is our art director. And the closing theme is Toronto Mug, both written and performed by Slaughter Beach Dog. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Stay lovely. <laughs>